It says... It says you're a dead fuck. What? A dead fuck? A lousy lay. You know? A dead... Oh, I see. Oh, don't hold it back for me, Doc. I can take it. Give it to me straight. I did not say it. The computer did. Yeah, well, there is no computer. Aha! Uh -huh. And there's no Betty, either. And I'm a dead fuck. Like I said, the computer don't lie. Blood and Black Run Podcast presents Friday the 13th, Part 4, the final chapter. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coltsploitation.com and I'm joined with my co-host Martin. How's it go? And uh, we're back today with an early Friday the 13th gift for you. Um, we wanted to do a Friday the 13th episode because September does have a Friday the 13th in it. And the problem with that is that we have just such a jam-packed schedule that we did not have a chance to do the episode during the Friday the 13th week. So you're getting this Friday the 13th episode a week early. You can either save, you know, you can, you can do the um, sort of the celibacy thing where you save this episode until it's Friday the 13th. Um, practice some safe podcast listening. Or you could just listen to it now and get it over with and then listen to it again on Friday the 13th. I don't care what you do. You can listen to all of our Friday the 13th episodes on one day on the next Friday the 13th. Whatever you want to do. Well, we only have one other Friday the 13th episode. We have two. Two? Yes. We have the Friday the 13th remake episode. Mm-hmm. And we have the episode that we did for J-Movie Talk podcast, which That's is... That's not the, our episode, Well, though. it's not technically our episode, but it's an episode that we did for J-Movie Talk podcast where we took over the podcast and we did Friday the 13th parts one through three. So obviously you're not going to see us do Friday the 13th parts one through three on this show. There's no real reason to revisit that <laughs> unless we did like a audio commentary or something like that, so which that's why would you, be fun at some point to do an say, audio so commentary. That's, so that's how you got to here, Friday the 13th part four. That's right. Just in case you missed the other two. Friday the 13th part four, you missed the, the subtitle, the final chapter, the one that will end all Friday the 13th. And as Martin says, the reason why we're not doing any other Friday the 13th episodes for this show. Because this is the last movie. This is the last one. They called it the final chapter. From, uh, from that standpoint, what would you say like the next ones are? Like 5 through 10. Well, oh, if, the, if this is the final chapter, what would you call those? I don't know. They is don't there, exist in your world. There's another movie after this? <laughs> You've been living all these... From 1984 on, you were just like, you know what? Oh, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Jason's done. No more Jason. Friday the 13th, over. <laughs> I wish. So Friday the 13th... Yeah, actually, it was kind of funny because you were like, what, uh, what number is uh, Jason Goes to Hell? Is it number six? I was like... <laughs> Oh, no, <laughs> not number six. See, I knew, and you know, I knew it wasn't that early either because I know it's a new line one, which is a later one. Yeah, it's like uh, what we would consider one of the more recent, especially because there's only ten J like actual Friday the Thirteenth. So that you would, I, I don't even really consider Jason X uh, a Friday the Thirteenth film in that sense. It's more of like a but it is. weird offshoot. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I it is, but it's one of those things where it was like. <laughs> They didn't know what to do, so they were like, let's send Jason to space. Is that why they, we haven't seen one in 15 years? 
I would, yeah, I mean, well, no, that's all tied up in a, a big, big legal, legal battle that has since put an end to the Friday the 13th game. So, yeah, there's a huge legal battle um, that's unfolding as we speak, obviously going very slowly. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that whole thing has really put a, the kibosh on any new Friday the 13th franchise, really. They did, we did get a, um, an unaffiliated Friday the 13th film. Um, which is uh, Never Hike Alone, which is, it's technically not a Friday 13th film, but it uses all the the uh, elements of the Friday 13th series, and it even has a Jason stand-in, I, though they can't really call it, you know, it's an unaffiliated sequel. James! <laughs> James, <laughs> James Voorhees. <laughs> um, so yeah, but uh, Friday 13th Part 4, the final chapter, is one that we haven't covered at all, we never really talked about it. We did Friday Thirteenth parts one through three in one episode, and um, if you remember at that time, I think it actually went in like when we did that episode, we enjoyed the films in a receding order, just like you would think. Friday Thirteenth Part One, the best. Friday Thirteenth Part Two, pretty good, especially since it introduces Jason as a killer, but not really um, like the Jason that we all know from. The Friday Thirteenth franchise. Now I like to call that Jason Bagboy. Jason Bagboy. That's right. And then Friday Thirteenth Part Three: Diminishing Returns. Um, not not an a, extremely great film, but it does have its moments. Um, if you go back and listen to that J Movie Talk episode, um, which he still has up, you can figure out what we thought about all of those movies. So let's uh, let's start talking about Part Four in context. Um, I know you said you haven't seen this film in quite a while, right? You said you didn't really remember anything about it. I just remember Corey Feldman being in it. That's it. That's just, it. just Corey Feldman. And you know what? That it makes sense because you were like, what year was it? 1984? Corey Feldman probably in it, right? Horror movie, 1984. Feldman mm. shows up somewhere. You know, he could be a background extra. He could be a main character. Feldman's in it somewhere. Um, so you, so ultimately you really had no recollection of what happens, like any of the plot at all. No, none whatsoever. And did watching this jog your memory at all? No. (laughs) You just like, this is just like a big blank spot. Yeah, no, listen, I mean, I'll confirm it at the end. After watching this one and even though it's been like a year and a half since we did, uh, parts one through three. How anyone could ever like this franchise more than Halloween's franchise, beyond me. It is not memorable at all. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> and, and you say that after watching Friday the 13th Part 4, and Part 4 is a lot of times notable for being one of the better sequels in the Friday the 13th but franchise. But that's not saying much. No, it's not. But but it is known, and you know, that and Jason lives a little bit, too. Um, there's certainly more well-regarded, I would say. And we actually did this on Cultsploitation, too. Michael and I pit sequels against each other to say, like, which one is the better sequel? Which one, you know, we did, like... And I think I think we... I can't remember exactly which ones we picked, but we did, like, part one and two, obviously. We did... Uh, I think we did, like, four and six, and we picked some random ones to do in there to pit them against each other and say, which one is the better of the, the sequels? And I, we came up with, you know, like, I think part four one... Um, part six one. Um, I can't remember about part seven and eight because both of those films are p- quite dreadful. But um, 
so you know we have we did that before but i would say that part four is pretty well regarded and but one of the better ones and, and would you say do you, i don't even know if you remember part three that well i remember a barn Okay. <laughs> I remember like taking yeah. place like on the barn and by that point the eighties fully hit because everyone's wearing unitards and uh bright bandanas. But um would you say this one is better than part three from what you can remember? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, so we're so we're <laughs> we're starting off strong here yeah, with no. uh Friday thirteenth. <laughs> Uh, part four, we. You know. I feel like we're almost going back to Saw territory, where it's like you kind of guided me back through, and I'm just like, "What the fuck am I watching?" Well, I kind of have to. I mean, again, I've seen all the Friday the Thirteenth movies, but they're not memorable. Like this does not resonate with me at all. Did you forget what you watched already? Probably. <laughs> we'll quiz you throughout and see why. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I would say with with uh, part four. I've seen it quite a few times. Um, it is probably one of my more, well, more well-liked Friday the 13th films. Like, like Friday the 13th Part 3 I think is fine. I think that the, um, the protagonist, the, the girl that's the protagonist in it, is, is pretty attractive and cute. But other than that, it's not really that re- memorable. Friday the 13th Part 4 at least has Tommy Jarvis, which is your, your jumping-off point for the next, series, the next series of films in this franchise to... Um, Try to head in different territory. And uh, even at the end, as you see, like, and this is supposed to be the final chapter in quotation marks, um, the film sets up the idea that possibly Tommy Jarvis could come back and be the killer in the next film. Because you know what you need for part five then? Or at least the ending of this one? You need Loomis going, no, 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 no. <laughs> that would be good. That would be that would... Granted, this is before part four, so Halloween kind of. Yeah, you know, that would. Kind of ape that from this. Yeah, you know? it's kind of funny because like, and we were talking when we were watching this film. Now that you're into the the '80s, the big slasher boom of this this uh, era, you have a lot of films that are aping off of each just other in the same franchise. Everyone's just, fucking stealing from everybody. It's like <laughs> the crossing of the streams here, uh, with all kinds of you know, with all kinds of just they're, they're all meeting it into the leading into the delta. Yeah, you've got yeah. Halloween who did this, and then Friday Thirteenth who did that, and they're all just doing the same old stuff and different ways um, to get to the same point, basically. And the one thing we should point out about Friday Thirteenth Part Four as well is that, like, literally, if you did not see Friday Thirteenth Part One through Three, then I might say one you you probably would need to see a little bit. But other than that, if you didn't see the rest of them, you really don't need to know anything about those films. Because part four brings you right back into it. It gives you a nice three-minute intro of literally everything that's happened in Friday the 13th uh, franchise land. And um, you really don't need to know anything more about it than Jason is a killer. He is he was vanquished, killed in the this uh, third episode. And then he is back again because he cannot be killed. And that's really all you need to know. But they give you a three-minute intro just, so, just to make sure that you're on the same page as them. And then they also give you that really intense uh, explosion sequence with the logo. Because as you know, Friday 13th always gives you a special logo at the beginning of the film. Oh, they went, you know, you thought with Friday the 13th Part 3, because it was 3D, you get the best, you know, intro because it went all for the 3D thing. No, they went up at this Yeah, this one's better. 
flying right on through. Basically, a big explosion that blasts through. It's great. They had to do something, right? You gotta, you gotta keep one-upping it. I just love the difference between like that and Halloween. Like Halloween's just got the jack o' lantern. Yeah, very um, you know, moderate pan into the jack o' lanterns. You know, very low key. Now every Friday Thirteenth one's got to have something fucking exploding on the screen. <laughs> Glass breaking, you know, explosions. explosions. Yeah. Does part five have like tits like as the opening? Yeah, you know? that's right. It should. It should just be like a slow zoom in as like a woman takes her shirt off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's got John Lovitz Debbie from... Debbie Sue Voorhees. Say, it's got John Lovitz from uh, Little Nicky going like, it's a ladies night. <laughs> As he's, you know, being a peeping Tom. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, we're about 13 minutes into this show. Let's take a break real quick before we get into Ooh. Friday the 13th, part four. The final depth, chapter. In the, the final chapter. In depth. We don't want to do that too soon. Uh, so we're going to take a, a little breaking from that and uh talk about the beer that we have on the show today because i did get a new pack to um to celebrate the october season even though we were still in august slash september well the weather within four days went from 80 down to 65 so perfect perfect weather for me i love it um so i did pick up the saranac fall pack that they have it's they call it the german roots pack um not even trying this year if you remember correctly uh, at some point in the past, I think it was probably two or three years ago, talked about the Saranac Darktoberfest, which is probably the best beer that they've ever made, in my opinion. Um, they don't have that this year, and they haven't really done that for a number of years. But they did bring back, apparently, um, the Black Forest, which we've talked about on the show before. Now they're calling it a throwback because it's not in their staple beers anymore. Big... Terrible decision. You'd rather and see them make that year round. It used to be. It always has been. Get rid of the Adirondack Lager. I've never been impressed yeah. with it. And the other thing that they have in there um, is obviously their Oktoberfest as part of their German Roots Pack every year. It's always very good. Love their Oktoberfest. Um, but the new beers that they have in this pack are the um, Hop Harvest Haze IPA. It's a very, very alliterative name. I was gonna say, it's very hard to get out. And it rolled off the tongue yeah. for you. Like Hop your Harvest Haze. I can't. I can never remember if it's Hop Haze Harvest or Hop Harvest Haze or whatever the fucking eight, Triple H is in there. But we um, that that's a very, very generic IPA. Like a completely generic. You think about a what an IPA tastes like. A little bit of citrus. A little bit of hops. That's the Hop Harvest Haze is IPA. It nice and juicy. It's not that juicy either. Oh. So it's, yeah, it's, it's sort, of, sort of disappointing. That one was a disappointment. But the other one that they have in the pack is the Hops Keller beer that they, that's new for this year. And that's the one that we have on the show that we're talking about. And um, I'll start off by saying that it's exactly how it sounds. It's a hoppy Keller beer. And if you know what that means, then you're thinking, wow, that sounds great. And you'd be right. It is a great beer. It's very um, nice and light. Mild, still got a nice hop flavor to it, um, but with that Keller Keller Weiss style that is uh, pretty pronounced, even with the hops flavor, which is nice because normally if you're if you're adding hops to things, the hops tend to take over. Not in this beer, it's a nice balance. <clears throat> I know I'd agree. Uh, the problem, uh, the only problem I have, it's not with the beer itself, it's the fact that I'm not as I know what a Keller Weiss is. But, like, overall, the palette on it, not so much. I've had a couple. I think all of my I've had have been by Saranac. 
And it was kind of like a Vienna lager. Yeah. Um, Similar. Yeah. So I think it's pretty good, but like overall, like how it is, is like a Keller Weiss. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. Because it's just not a popular style, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's I think it's pretty good. I think that they, they, they I, hit the style really well. Like you said, it's sort of like a Vienna lager. Um, it's got a similar style to it. Very light. Got a little bit of wheat to it. And uh, the malty approach is sort of slimmed down a little bit. And I think uh, they did a pretty good job of that. Not, normally, it doesn't really have a lot of hoppy characteristics to it. So this hops keller is a little bit uh, experimental for the, the style. But I think they did a really good job. And it does make a really good fall beer for that, too. You know, because it does do, um, it does have that light flavor to it. But it also is it not super hearty either, which is, is good for a nice fall beer. No, I'd agree. Um, and I think I'm just I'm just disappointed after looking on their website. Like, you can't get their Oktoberfest in twelve packs this year. It's only the pumpkin and the hop harvest. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, I don't like. It how- just aggravates me because we said in the last podcast we were talking about. Like, so I think I at least didn't think it was the last podcast. I think I brought up how I'm very disappointed. Sam Adams, like, they're on my shit list again because they're not even trying. Their fall pack this year is so Sam seventy six. Their Boston Lager, and then the Cosmic Sour and Oktoberfest. You're not even trying. Remember the good old days? Three, four years ago? Got six different beers? I miss those days. I like those days. Yeah, I would say now, uh, what we're getting more and more is... Us, like, they're trying to go away from some of those things that they do, like, seasonally. Like, I wouldn't say a Hop Harvest Haze IPA is really a seasonal... Could be a spring beer. Fall beer. Yeah, exactly. Could be a summer beer. Yeah, those those hazy things I wouldn't say are like fall. They just need to they literally just need to stop. I just want to like tell them like, stop it. Like, like put the Michael Jordan gif on you, re, on repeat of him going, Stop it. Get help. You want them to stop shoveling IPAs into like every Yes, because now it's just everyone. We have a new New England IPA. We have a new juicy IPA, new hazy. We get it. You can do those. You can do those beers. We got, we got it. Try something different. Go outside your, you know, go outside the wheelhouse. Be a little adventurous. Which is why I like the Serenex. If I, if, if I just wanted a brewer who did nothing but fucking shove 20 different centennial hops into a beer, I'd just drink stone. And that's why I like the hops Keller and the Serenac. Because you do, it's a little bit different. It's not something that you would normally get. And you I don't like need that. to add hops to it. As good as it is, I just rather have just give me a regular killer. Mm, true, it's not that you know normal style over here. You don't see people you know trying that as like their go-to German mm. doing a German roots pack. Just do the traditional killer. Just voice. a traditional killer boys. So yeah, I would be fine with that. That's too. why I like the one of the best pack. Like, again, as you said, the, when they did the their first German roots pack, which was just different varieties of Oktoberfest, was the best because as. Much as we like, and I've kind of over the years kind of starting to get a little less, you know, like enthusiastic about Sam's Oktoberfest. Because Serenac has like the perfect balance of being multi, but refreshing and more like a traditional Oktoberfest. That's why the Darktoberfest was so great, because they make a nice multi, that was a great multi-Oktoberfest. It's better than Sam's and like, you know, like a nice good American take on it. Yeah. Um... And that was, like, a great pack, and they haven't done since. They just did that one year. Like, next year, they're going to be like, German Roots! We got the Gen 4 in there. I'm, I'm going to say it again. Bring back that Darktoberfest. Because I'll be all over that right away. Like I said, it's just, it's just annoying to me. 
Again, it's not that I don't like these beers, but it's just like you can do so much more. I, I feel like every uh, beer talk that we have on the show is like, yeah, we got this beer here and it's pretty good, but we wanted to bitch about something else that really bothers us about the beer industry today. Well, it's more me than you. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, I just you, go along with it. You got, you got 17 different IPAs on it. All right, I'll try it. You know, I'm good with that, but... I can see where you're coming from, too. Again, if I want to just, like, like, hey, we got 20 different Centennial Hops. Oh, I'll see what we can do. I just, you know, pay the $30 for a six-pack of stone, and, you know. Yeah, you know, yes. Mm. I taste the stone fruit. I, yes, I taste all the different hops they put in here. This this is a Centennial Hop grown in over in uh, Los Angeles, and this one was grown in San Francisco, and this one was grown in Sacramento. I honestly would not put it past people to, like, start marketing IPAs like that. Like, this is from this region. This hop, because it grows in this soil, gets this type of mineral in it to enrich this certain grapefruit. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I could see it happening. Yeah. No, stop it. All right. Moving on. Stop bitching about beer. Time to bitch about about Friday the 13th, part four. The final chapter. So, um, Friday 13th Part 4 picks up right after Friday 13th Part 3. No, it does not. Well, sort of. We have our highlight reel. You have, yeah, you have the intro. And I said, that's three minutes of intro that we get that really has no bearing on the rest of the plot because literally you don't need to know any of it. Would have been great if they had like Chris Berman doing like, a break, like an NFL countdown breakdown. Like, All right, here's what happened in the first half, you know, first quarter of the series. You think about like the film franchise at this point in quarters. Diagram it out. You know, oh no, that's John Madden. You know, and have like the editor. You go here and you go here. And then he kills and Kevin Bacon's ball sack falls out. Wing, bam, boom, dad. <laughs> On to part two. That's right. You know. No, and this one, it's structured like a campfire tale. And I like that. I think that's pretty interesting. And it's what? better than having just like the the cuts like uh, some of the other ones have. That nice campfire tale. That was in part two, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, that, I think it was in part two. Yep. Yeah, okay, yep. So. Yep, that was in part two. But it's nice to have it like that because it's like structured like a campfire tale and you're getting that as like a camper yourself and taking all of this lore in. But um, yeah, you don't really don't need it. The other thing is after that three minute intro and you get that explosion in your face of basically Jason Voorhees jizzing in your face saying, yeah, it's Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Um, you di- you then get a forensic investigation of the uh, the camp where Jason has done the most recent murdering and they're taking him off to the hospital. And you have this whole like five minute stretch of cops doing terrible, terrible investigative work, putting an ax in a freaking gallon, gallon freezer bag as though that's going to preserve any evidence. Not even a gallon. It's like a court bag. It's like, just just enough for the ax that, you know, had and then like, just watching that opening, you know what you're in for for this movie. You're like, they're putting an axe in a small plastic bag. As though that's going to preserve any of the evidence that's on it. Well, as, as I was telling you, I'm like, well, don't worry. They didn't have forensics in the 80s. It's kind of like in L.A. Noir. You know, they just, every time, like, you know, you're at a crime scene, there's no forensic. Cole's just like, all right, yep. And then the coroner's just like, I'll check for semen samples. Yeah, that's what they're doing in this case, too. They're like, you got an axe? Check for semen samples on that. No, 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 check for semen samples. Jason's not one of those sex maniacs. No, those are in other movies, but not this one. 
But uh, yeah, so you get this whole intro where they're they're doing this investigative work. They're bringing Jason to the hospital. Uh, and it's really not necessary. Like the entire first part of this movie, not necessary. Completely just, you know, doesn't need to be there at all. Needs to be there because Halloween too. Exactly. But what they do is when they bring Jason to the hospital and they put him in the morgue, that is the chance for this 1984 film to go all Halloween 2 on everybody. And they're saying, you know what? Halloween 2 did a hospital uh, sequence, actually the entire movie, and it worked really well for them. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to transplant Jason from just being in a camp because we've done that all the time. We're going to put him in a hospital for a little bit of the movie, and maybe that will be enough to, to hook viewers in. And I will say, I think it's interesting to see Jason outside of camp because that's like, honestly, we've done that for three movies by now. We really don't need to see Jason Again, stalking kids at camp. They should have that like area just uh, barricaded off the lake, filled in. Yeah, just entirely. And don't don't rely on strange looking old men who are going to warn people not to go to this uh, camp anymore. You know, the police probably go and pay that guy to just stand outside gas stations. Can you and, tell people not to go there? It's cursed. This one doesn't have that. Even this one, these kids don't even get. The benefit of being warned beforehand. Oh, because I think the cops are just like, hey, you're fucking stupid enough to go to Camp Crystal Lake and you, you deserve to die. Yeah, no. In this case, you, you don't get warnings. They're just like, you know what? And also because Jason is presumed dead at this point. So they don't really need... They, they At this point, people are like, it's spring break New Jersey here. People are like, you know what? I'm going to hit that camp because Jason's no longer with us. He's dead. He's, he's in the morgue. So we're going to camp. Although it doesn't really seem like anybody that is attending this camp in part four has even known about a serial killer because they are not concerned. And there's even a newspaper article about this uh, mass murderer who has escaped from the hospital that he was taken to. Well, because like in Through the Mouth of Madness, um, they're keeping it all secret. It's town secret. Can't let people know. Oh, can't let people know about Jason. Can't unearth that yeah, secret. No. no. All stems back to two camp counselors who couldn't stop touching each other (laughs) and let Jason drown. (laughs) All started from that (laughs) poor decision. (laughs) To have premarital sex. That's right. Abstinence. That's the answer. (laughs) They had abstained. Jason would still be alive. God would have been watching over. Jason would still be a weird-looking fucking mutant. But, but he would be alive, so he would have his. He was at. He would have diff, different issues. He, he would still be fucked up. Well, what would have been worse? Him living through the eighties, getting made fun of for being a hideous, you know, chud monster, or you know, should you know, was he better off just being left in the lake? His, you know, honestly though, to evolve into sea man. What happens in part four is really like the the um basically spurs him on when he's unmasked and he's like. I'm hideous. <laughs> I can't believe you unmasked me. I'm hideous. He got the mask cut off. I was just thinking of like the goonie. Like, hey, you good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Maybe that's where Spielberg got his influence from that. That's right. Friday 13th, part four. Dug it from that. Crafty. So one thing about 
part four is that it has a ma- in comparison to other Friday the 13th, it has a massive cast because you have the normal setup of teens going into the woods, camping and partying. And you've got like seven different teens in that scenario. But you also have the neighbors next door, the Jarvises, who is a mom, a frumpy daughter, and <laughs> and her weird brother, Tommy Jarvis, who makes his own Halloween masks because he doesn't have anything else to do. And you have not only that. Oh shit, he's got a Commodore 64 That to is play. true. He also has that to play. Why well, he is wearing his mask. Not only make it more challenging. Not only that, though, you have another guy who just is randomly camping in the woods by himself. Well, that's what I was asking you. I'm like, when we see that random guy, I'm like, who? Like, that Tommy? Because I can't, I couldn't remember if you, I don't remember, you know, Tommy ever being a kid in the films. Yeah. You know. It's the next, next movie. Yeah, I was like, is that, no, you're like, just some guy. I was like, what the fuck is he? <laughs> yeah, no, it's just a guy. And then he, like, sticks around until, like, the end of the film. It's like, well, why didn't they kill, you know, he just yeah. came that is We the- had that hitchhiker, she got fucking killed, you know. Oh, yeah, like in the, yeah, in the, in the beginning, know. yeah, in the first one. So, that is the weird thing about this movie, though, that's, that makes it slightly different from the other Friday the 13th, is that you have... All these disparate parts of like, here's some people, it's a family, and they live here, and then you have this partying group of teenagers, and you have here, and you know, like, that entire group of teenagers is like, just gonna be fodder. They're just like, you know what, Jason, have Adam. <laughs> they're fucking, and they're doing drugs, and they're watching 1930s pornos. You have that. Like they're hipsters. They brought a fucking projector with silent movie, you know, film. <laughs> silent porn to, to this camp. How titillating. Oh, it's titillating. Yeah, right? just, Actually, like I said, we did a uh, a post on cold exploitation of all the, uh, the the nudity in Friday the 13th movies, like every one of them. And we did happen to miss part four's uh, projector porn, movies. the 1930s porn. And someone brought it up and they were like, you're missing the 1930s porn, the, the, <laughs> the 1920s porn from it. You, you guys missed those. And I was like, I, for, and this was before I, had, I didn't watch this in a while. And I was like. I don't even remember that shit. I don't even remember a projector porno, but yeah, you were too. Fo- you were too focused on the teddy bear. Oh yeah, we were too focused on the other stuff like twin tits and uh, girl skinny dipping in the woods for no reason, stuff like that. Well, that's just but, the yeah, Friday the Thirteenth trope. Yeah, you know, I, I completely forgot about the the projector porn that's that's going on in this movie too. So it's a lot. It's a lot of a lot of a lot of boobies. It's a lot of boobies. It's one of our most most sought after posts as well, <laughs> because you cannot underestimate the perversion of people on the internet. Well, that's what the internet just for. they just want. To, you know what? They're like screw watching the entire movie. I don't care about the movie itself. I just want to see those boobs, all the boobs in it. But I digress. I have, I digress a, I have a compilation on Pornhub. Oh, I'm sure they do. Yeah. We're not that intricate. We don't. We don't have the videos of it, but we do have videos. Nice 80s, we do have pictures. Nice eighty score set to. It. Yeah, but um, so, but I would say like Friday Thirteen Part Four. It does have a, a slightly different plot setup to it because you have all of these parts that are going on at the same time. Um, it it does make things a little bit convoluted though because. When you're following one group of people, you have a better chance of doing some characterization for them. You um, are able to make them you, – you're able to get more information from them because you have you spend more time with them. In this case, I would say that part four doesn't really navigate between these three groups that well. Like the guy who's just camping on his own doesn't really make much sense 
because did he look at the forecast? It fuck it's like a typhoon out there. He did he apparently did not even pay attention to the forecast for the day because you know, he gets rained on and his tent just disintegrates because of the <laughs> the amount of rain that they're getting that night. But um I would say that you know you don't know you don't know much. I I don't even remember that guy's name. That's that's how that's how much we. I literally just watched this movie. I don't remember that guy's name. Will? I don't even. Know. It's Will. It's Will. I think so. You got it. Um. Honestly, I have no idea. The mm. IMDb doesn't is no help either. Is he Paul? Is it Paul? Mm. Might have been Paul. I don't even know. Because there's so many characters in this film that I don't even remember. That's the thing. I don't remember that guy's name because they don't do enough. To actually characterize him. So they also don't do enough to characterize the teens that are just fodder for Jason when he comes in and storms through, yeets people out a window. Um, no, because they're all literally just there to be like, fuck, fuck, fuck. You're literally yeah. getting the most generic aspects of a slasher film with those characters. Because it's clear that they don't want to characterize them. They don't want to develop them in any way. They're really just there to be like, we want to have sex. We want to do drugs. Coors Banquet. We're, yeah, we're drinking Coors Banquet, and Crispin Glover is concerned he's a dead fuck because a computer program said he was. No, the kid was like, "Oh, let me, let me," because he's like, "Oh, am I, am I dead fuck?" And he's like, "Oh, let me check the computer." What computer program is this kid using in 1984? No, it wasn't. He was just doing it like just doop a doop a Yeah. Just a boop, 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 Yeah, like, oh, let me check the computer. Oh, so it's his brain that's yeah. the... Com- oh, how, does, how does his friend know that he's a dead fuck? Oh, f- Who the fuck says dead fuck? I don't know. That must have been an 80s thing. It was great, too, you know, afterwards. He, when he had sex with a girl, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a dead fuck. You know what? Yeah, that's the most attractive thing that you can do after yeah, you have yeah, sex. Yeah, right after you go, mm, you know, just like, did, you, did you think I was a dead fuck? Did you enjoy that? On a scale of 1 to 10... How would you rate that? You, know? you pull out an Olive Garden survey. <laughs> How is the service tonight? Um, yeah, but Crispin Glover. Did I'm, you like? Did you like the Three Men's a Missionary, or would you like me to have done like half and half, like doggy hit for the first half, and then before I, right before you it, know? If I was in Crispin Glover's shoes, though, and I was fucking that twin, she looks pretty exhausted at the end of it. So, mission accomplished. Yeah, probably because she had to listen to his shit the entire time. However, she does say, I want to do it again, which means no satisfaction. <laughs> that's what I would, that's, that would be my guess. So I would say, on a scale of 1 to 10 on how much of a dead fuck he was, I would say at least a 5. Right? No satisfaction there. And Kristen, I, the other thing I like, too, is that when she says, I want to do it again, and she goes to the bathroom, Kristen Glover goes downstairs... Gives his friend her underwear and then goes to get wine. He's like, no, she's coming right back. Why don't you go downstairs? And you know what happens? He gets killed. Should have stayed up there. Lesson learned for next time. Should have brought the bottle of wine up. I will say that Crispin Glover is probably the most um, entertaining aspect of this movie. And you know what? He's not a fan. He doesn't come back for uh, interviews. He doesn't really talk about this movie. And I gave you the, um, <laughs> the, the assignment yeah, of, of figuring out why he doesn't like to be in. He doesn't like to talk about this movie. And I think you, you now know why. Well, because you blurred it yeah, out. Yeah, I couldn't help it. I was like, you got to see this. It's uh, his dancing during the little footloose uh, break dance. Him, him dancing like a spaz. It's amazing. 
You say spaz. I say top performer <laughs> in um, what's that show uh, that they do now? Uh, America's Got Talent. No, not that. But the other one, the da- oh, Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> Crispin Glover back on there to re- reprise his Friday Thirteenth Part Four dance moves. Um, yeah, no, I actually made a gif of this of him dancing. So I hope it haunts him. It's like, yeah, there's gifts out there of me I'll dancing. Post it on Twitter. Yeah, I will. When this episode actually, comes, when this episode comes out, we'll post, we'll tag him and put him like you know, like post on Twitter. Like, Just reviewed your best movie and your best moves. That's uh, that was when I did terrible gifts and I like I took literally took like twenty photos of the scene, like you know, frame by frame, and then I spliced them together as a gif. That's not how you do it now. Like now, it's really easy to make a gif, but this was back like ten years ago. So it was a little bit, a little bit harder to make a gif back then. Well, this is why they're so popular now. So it's a uh, very erratic moving in that gif, but. Still, the the point stands. Crispin Glover. Actually, your gif actually makes it look like you can cut it wrong. Yeah, Crispin Glover, lovely dance moves. Very good. How how those women weren't just like falling over themselves to get with him after those dance moves. I I do like how the one twin is like trying to go after the other guy, and the other guy's not interested after a while. So she's like, you know what? I don't want to go to bed alone. So Crispin Glover. I guess you'll do. Well, that's great, too, because the one twin catches it like him and Mr. Mullet sitting there and his hand out of his nice button fly pants, and, you know, because he's supposed to like, like it's like a penis, you know, and he's like, oh, I didn't go to step with the only one, you know, and she just like walks in and they're, they're all still like, well, fuck anyway, you know, why not? Yeah, whatever. Well, the one twin goes home. She's, I don't even know which twin he's talking about. The ugly one. They look exactly the same. Well, one had the white pants and one had the pink pants. Don't you love the outfit? Nice. Especially yeah. when you're a twin. And, you know, as a teenager, you're not... Like, I would say most teenagers are not thinking, I want to look exactly like my sister. They're thinking, I want to stand out as much as possible. This, this bitch can... No, that's, for that's, that's a film... That's a, well, it's a film thing. They'll always have twins dressed up. Twin, yeah. Because they never have fraternal twins. When's that? Have you ever watched a film and they're, you know, they're always identical? Yeah. So they can, you know, be like, oh, look, they're twins. Oh. That way you can make jokes about, like, mm, twins? Threesome? <laughs> and have it not be that creepy, even though it's really creepy. <laughs> um, But, uh, yeah, Crispin Glover, I like him in this film. Just because he does add some flair. And literally the entire film is about him thinking he's a dead fuck. Which I kind of like, too, because it's sort of creative. And that they were like... You know what we have as a character trope for him? He thinks he's a dead fuck. And even though he has sex, he's still concerned he's a dead fuck. It's great. It's like a neurosis for him. Well, he's pretty fucking neurotic. It's great. So it makes sense. I love it. I love it. I, I would say, like, in terms of character... And he gets really, and he's really salty about it. Stop, I can't talk to you. Yeah. I'm a, I, I want you to stop calling me a dead fuck. You know what he needs to do? Hello? McFly? Just punch him. McFly, you know, that's what he's got to do. I just just like it because it stays throughout the film. And it's really stupid. And it has really no point being in the film. But we get it anyway. It's hilarious. Um, The other thing that we get is uh, the other part of the family, the Jarvis family, who's um, apparently staying in this cabin for don't really know why. With these lovely pictures of different... Squeeze fresh squeezed fruit juice. Oh yeah, orange juice. This mom lemonade. is all over 
being a mom. She is squeezing lemons and oranges to make juices. She is running with her daughter at six o'clock in the morning on nicely um, maintained uh, camp paths. She is. I don't know. No, I didn't hear one ankle get rolling. You know, running down those like those nice, you know, she's, dirt paths. She's t- checking on her son Tommy when he's sleeping, putting a nice. Uh, grandmotherly Afghan on him when he's sleeping and uh, also making sure that he's not peeping on anybody who, who, who are, are currently in the process of having sexual intercourse. See, that's the best, part of the, the, that's the best part of the film because, Tom, you know, Corey Feldman's acting like a fucking monkey about to, you know, just start <laughs> jacking, just start jacking up. He's like, oh! And he's like, you know, I, I love jumping up and down, like, I love he's rubbing like his face in his pillow, like, whips into his bed because <laughs> he's just seeing this one woman who's taking her shirt off. He, he can see, only see the backside yeah, of her. Yeah, he no. can only see her bare back. And he's just so excited. You know, just like, As, oh. you know what? That, there, there it is. The time before it's, porn was proliferant across the, <laughs> the internet. Uh, you know, you just, you, you got excited for people doing uh, aerobics and a videotape like uh, <laughs> Axel in the, in the hospital. And then you get excited because you see a woman's bareback across the yard. Which apparently... Even though Corey Feldman wears particularly big spectacles in this film, he can see uh, pretty much like a hundred yards away because you know the, his. Not only is his bed not next to the window that he's looking out of, but the the actual window in the other house is like quite far away. Well, maybe he's far sighted. Maybe because also like the film sometimes makes it a point to show how far she has to walk to get to the other house. She's like soaking wet as she gets there because it's raining. It's you know it's typhoon season here in <laughs> Camp Japan. Lake. I mean Camp Crystal Lake, <laughs> and uh, so you know it, it, the film goes out of its way to show us how far it is across to that other house. And yet Tommy Jarvis is without binoculars, seeing in perfectly clearly. But if I was Tommy Jarvis, I would do the same. But I do like how his mom comes in. And she's like, she's even she, looking. She kind of gives like this little, um, you know, like TV, like, oh, Tommy. And then she goes over and closes the shade because her son's modest, and she's not having her boy grow up looking at boobs across the yard. Like I said, she doesn't want his eye poked out by a nipple <laughs> across the yard. Yeah, abstinence works out well. <laughs> Although Jason seems to think so, because that's his whole M.O. And had, like, a nice abstinence poster. Although, if that was the case, he wouldn't have gone after that twin who doesn't have sex and tries to go home. Because she's like, that fucking slut. She's having sex with Crispin Glover. I'm going home. I'm putting on my my, uh, 70-year-old grandmother's slicker and, and grabbing my bike and going home. And then Jason... And, and, and actually a display that's sort of creative for this film, which doesn't really happen much in Friday the 13th movies. He does an off-screen kill where you just see the lightning flash and his shadow pierce her, which is pretty cool, actually. It's a nice, uh, nice set-piece killing that then is completely obliterated by graphicness when he slams her into the, the house <laughs> with the blood. But, but the, the whole flashing sequence, I think, is pretty cool because... It took a little creativity to get that shot, and for the most part, Friday the 13th is all about the gore, and it never really, it doesn't have very many moments where it's not completely explicit, so this one is kind of cool. 
just stood out to me on this viewing, which I don't know if I've ever really noticed, but uh, nice, nice little set piece there that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Want to pick up on the kills? Yeah, let's go. Let's talk about the kills. Um, I will say that the beginning part of this movie is not really, it doesn't have anything going on. It's film is 90 minutes long. It's an hour of it is nothing. Yeah, it's completely <laughs> backloaded. Like the entirety of it is really backloaded on. Um, it's literally the last 35, 30 minutes is where everything, you know, that's, that's all the, the kills there. They all happen at the same time. Um, I would say that in terms of Jason's killings, this isn't the most creative of the Friday the 13th films, but it does have its moments where it goes outside of just seeing Jason with like a machete or uh, with a spear gun or uh, with hammer yeah, or um, just crushing some fuck's face. In. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's more to it. That you would not normally get in the previous film. So it was trying to one-up itself. I th- I think. Eating bitches out the window. Eating bitches through the window. Yeah. There is a lot of window crashing in this movie. There is, at my count, four. One of them, an entirely unnecessary shot of a dog going through a window. Just, I don't know why. Just wanted to show a dog going through a window. But uh, a lot of window crashing. The one twin is thrown through from the window, which is great, hilarious. The be- the the funnier one is when <laughs> the guy is thrown. Another through, guy is thrown and through. literally rips both window. Literally, pain. like just, <laughs> just like you know what? Fuck your living room. <laughs> She's, well, you were sitting there because she was checking the windows. She's like, "You're right. This is, it does make sense for her to struggle because you never know when you're locking the window." Which way, like, locks it's, Yeah, it's one of those yeah. window locks where you have the, the swivel lock. Mm. So it's like one is locked, one side is locked, one side is not locked. And I still, I have those locks. I don't know which side is locked and which not. So, so I used to like, oh, it's unlocked. It's unlocked this way, too. Yeah, I just like the futility of, like, she's locking all the windows. And then Jason's like, nope, I'm just throwing a guy through your window. And then he runs through the door anyway. Yeah. Hey, she, you know, took the time to put two nails into. Yeah, you just, you're not going to get around a six foot something dude, 270 pounds. He's got quite the beer gut this time. <laughs> well, you know Looks what? Looks like he was hitting those, those Coors banquets he, after every kill. He's, he's like, been oh, on a gurney. Parched. He's like, I'm parched. You know, he's been on a gurney for a little while, so he hasn't had a chance to exercise. You think it's that lake water that's made him bloated? It must be. He does have, like, the shriveled up hands and face now. He's been in it for so long. Um, I would say, like, you know, we do get some of those more generic machete kills. But... A lot of, a lot of just random stabbing people through the back. Yeah, there's, um, let's see, there's one that's stabbing through the back. There's one that's uh, stabbing through a inflatable boat. Which is hilarious because it doesn't deflate at all. So when the next person comes out to then get fucking stabbed in the dick with the spear, you know, spear gun, boat's still flowing after he stabbed her through, you know, through the boat into her back. Well, he blew it up again. He patched it up? Yeah, he patched it right up. A little flex seal? <laughs> Fixes everything. <laughs> you know. 
Yeah, he, uh, that was the whole. Yeah, well, the thing with Jason in this film is that he's really creative about where he places people too. I mean, he crucifies Crispin Glover to the outside of the house, and then just rips run, him down. He just runs through. He's like, you know what? This was a mistake. They didn't like that. Oh, my decoration. Yeah, he's pretty pretty creative on where he places people. I mean, he stabbed life. the hitchhiker through the back too. He set, you know, with the hatchet or whatever through the, the screen to the guy's head. Like I said, a lot of it's just, like, pokes from behind. And the morgue, same thing, too, gets him from behind. The one that I do like, though, is when he crashes through the shower and literally crushes the guy's face in against the shower wall. This is, this is making me think of uh, when Rob Zombie shit show. <laughs> You know, he, you know, fucking... Michael does the same thing. Crushes yeah. Malcolm McDowell's, you know, skull. This one's a little bit better, I think, because it does have that, like, face... Smushiness. Yeah, smushiness, yeah, to it that I think works pretty well. Um, so I would say that's probably one of the better kills in this movie. Um, the other one that's pretty good is when he um, does do the spear gun to the dick. That's that's pretty good. <laughs> because that guy was being a dick. <laughs> right so he was like just punishing yeah it was it was because he was supposed to be joining his girl out for a nice skinny dipping session he's, and he's he's cheating on her with uh, one of the twins so jason was like you know what they were all gonna be philandering like that why don't they just have one big orgy then yeah no then everybody's happy yeah it's one big old startle jerk that's right Other than I, that, I, I mean i like the eat uh, he eats gets, great. He eats through the window. Granted, that slow mo is terrible. The film uses a lot of slow mo. It's awful. A lot of slow mo. It's like a nice, awful Friday the Thirteenth trope, like they have <laughs> unnecessary shit moving in slow mo. Yeah, because you got that right from the first one. Mm-hmm. Part two has that. I think the pretty sure the third one does yeah, too. There is a lot of slow mo, and it's super unnecessary. You know, you mentioned there's one slow mo part where she's just walking into the house, yeah, and it's just slow mo. She gets up from the ground and walks in the house, and it's slow mo. It's like why, why, why was that one in slow mo? Yeah, I think the editor just fell asleep. Like oh, oh yeah, yeah. They were like doing multiple edits, and they're like, you know what? We'll just slow mo this one too. Who cares? Um, but yeah, I I think that the slow mo is probably a something that needed to die with this movie. They just there's so much slow mo that I I think you said this uh, this is an hour and a half but it's an hour and thirty seven minutes so it's a uh, on the slightly longer scope of a Friday Thirteenth movie and part of it part of it you can blame the slow mo because the ending has probably <laughs> like eight or nine different slow mo elements to it that crops up and makes it just that much longer. Um, so what do you think of the ending? So with the ending. I do like how the film is completely easy to figure out just from watching. You know, you see, you have all these these kids that they, they go to the lake house, and you're like, none of these kids are going to survive. <laughs> no, no, literally, none of these kids are going to be okay. It's obviously the the girl who's not even going to partake in the in the uh, alcohol abuse. She's not going to have premarital sex. She runs with her mother, so you know she's a good good egg. And you're like, yep, that's fine, a girl, right there. Um, and then you also, I mean, you know that Tommy Jarvis in some way plays a part if you've seen the other films because you know he's a big part of the next one. But I think that you get, you do for a Friday Thirteenth film, get at least 
a pretty, I would say a, pr- a pretty good ending um, and a conclusion that makes some some sense because you have Tommy Jarvis who like understands Jason in a way that no one else really has. Well, he's smart too. Yeah, as we see, I see like he's like sitting there trying to show the guy when like their car won't start. Have you tried doing this, this, that? You know, it's like. Yeah, he says uh, you check the carburetor and stuff like that. So he knows what he's doing. He makes these uh, animatronic masks, like Halloween masks, out of latex and other odds and ends he has lying around. So you know he's smart. And he's obviously read the paper because uh, in every paper there's this mass murderer uh, article about it. And there's an artist rendition of what Jason looks like. And it's it's all fucked up. (laughs) And so he knows that he needs to... uh, Sort of dress in that style. So he shaves his fucking head. In record time. Yeah, ballsy kid. How is he? Like, record time. He's got like a nice, you know, bowl, you know, mushroom bowl cut going on. Able to trim some of it with the scissors. And with a safety razor, be able to hack through that shit in Actually, like no time. I'm pretty impressed. And then put the makeup on to, you know, make his face look like a kabuki warrior or something. <laughs> I'm pretty impressed that he is... You know, he's pre-shave, he's, he's pre-pubescent, doesn't shave at all, but he knows that in order to cut your hair, to, to actually shave your hair, you've got to cut it first. It's too thick to just razor right through. So he well, even still, first. even still, I don't think he cut it short enough with the scissors to be able to hack through it with a I would say not. Razor. And you can tell, too, because with that razor, he's going to town. He's going to town on his head. But you know what? He lathered that, you know, lathered <laughs> it up good and well with some Barbasol, you know? <laughs> Later on, you know, he's they, like, they Mom, had, we're out of shaving you know, cream. I they should have had him. I guess sister's getting chased around. Like, Hold on a second, sis. I'm using Barbasol. <laughs> yeah, a little advertisement. I, you know, like, when I go to shave my head when a killer is breaking loose to try to trick him into being his mother, I make sure my head is nice and silky smooth by and avoids getting that... Razor burn it's actually, by using Barbasol. It's not a good ad, though, because in the end, you do see the razor burn all over his head. Because he's literally, I mean, that was probably real razor burn. Because Corey Feldman's hacking right away at that with that yes. safety razor. It's Just watching it alone is like sort of cringe-inducing in the way that the cabin fever scene is where she shaves her leg off is. Uh. Where she's got the skin-eating disease and she's shaving her legs and she's just peeling off skin at the same time. It's in, in the similar vein and it's hard to watch as he's just going to town. Leaves a few locks. Yeah, I do like that too. And I do like at the end of the film where he's in the hospital. <laughs> they don't even bother you. Know, yeah, in the shadows, they're just like... This kid looks weird, but you know, you know what? We got. I've got other things to do. I know Dennis Farina sitting there. Like, ah. That doctor is straight out of a soap opera. Just, like he's not really a doctor. Just, they just called him off set from The Young and the Restless. They're like your general hospital. Yeah, you know. we uh, we need you here uh, to deliver some good news to this lady. <laughs> yeah, um, people in stressful situations will react in ways that you wouldn't expect. And he's, he's, I'm sure he's fine. Yeah, he's a... The kid's fine. He's, you know, he'll be fine. She's like, you think he should see a psychologist? No, no way. No, we don't do that in 1984. Boys are going to be boys, you know. (laughs) So we hacked the man to death. (laughs) But I do like that they were like, they probably thought, you know what? They probably didn't even know that was Tommy Jarvis. They were just like, oh, that's the kid with leukemia. (laughs) He's going to die anyway. Yeah, that, just, just leave it. That was his make-a-wish, you yeah. know, to get to go, you know, swing a machete around. Yeah, but Tommy Jarvis, they do set that up 
at the end of the film to have Tommy Jarvis be the person who's going to carry on Jason's legacy because he looks like Jason and he, you know, they, he gives that glance at the end of the film where it's like, oh, okay. So this might be Friday the 13th, the final chapter, but it's not Tommy Jarvis, the final chapter. And then what do they do in part five? Nothing, no, nothing about Tommy Jarvis being a killer. They, they go in a different direction. So it's great. It's, really? It's kind of like Halloween part four. And then Halloween five, they yeah. drop totally, just totally drop that, <laughs> totally drop that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Same thing. There's just like, you know, productions like, you know what? We set that up really well, but we're going to go on a different route. <laughs> got a new writer. He's got different plans, different vision. We're going to bring back Jason again. So see, we see what Halloween three did. They handed Tom Atkins. And they got rid of my my, you know. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bring back Jesus. Great. We uh, got robbed of a Friday the Thirteenth with Tom Atkins. That'd be fun. Imagine Friday the Thirteenth Part Five. The cop in this, the beginning of this movie, kind of looks like Tom Atkins. He has that mustache, but just not no. a stick. Totally not a no, stick. No, I was going to say, that mustache was sad. Why bother? Shame it. You, you, you look like... You that look poor guy. <laughs> poor guy <laughs> now is listening and like... You know what's funny, like too? Mustache. Uh, you know what's funny, too? I don't think he grew it like that. I think he trimmed it down to be that, like, thin. Maybe it was an that accent. Because that was, like, a style, you know? Like, yeah, you know, thin, it's like a very thin mustache. And it's just weak. If you can't pull off... If you can't grow the thick stash, then, you know... Don't, don't even try. Poor guy. Listening. <laughs> he's got he's a, still got it. He's got a Twitter. I was like, hey, so yeah. he's like, he's still it, got the mustache. Like, so you know. It's like, I shaved it. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, we didn't talk about the music, though, because you had mentioned the music a little bit um, with this with this movie that you noticed it a little bit more, that there was um, more classical influence in this a little bit. And uh yeah, like like as you said, like I was like, oh, it sounds like they just took sock music from the fifties, you know, from like for chase sequences, and you're like, yeah, it's basically just uh, the psycho score. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> really, you know, they they took and obviously Friday Thirteenth, the original was pretty significantly based on the psycho score, but in this one, you know, you kind of have a little bit. They they throughout the the franchise they added more to this this score um in the 80s in the early 80s for this one we still didn't have that techno synth that starts picking up in like part i think it's like part six where we really get that so we don't have that yet but we do have like the full-blown jiff 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 yep we got that and we've got the um, the a lot of the violin score, and also a lot of those stings that are a little bit expanded from what we get in the um, you know the other Friday Thirteenths. So it's a I, I would say that it's a a normal progression from the other ones, but at the same time, very inspired by Psycho. Still, I'd say overbearing at times. Just thought that the violins were too that and like the whole like jiff 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 bop 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 jiff jiff jiff. Constantly, like this, I think is the movie where it's like even more so a meme because it's just constantly every time like Jason's like just looking around, really like the whole scene you gotta have Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. It's kind of funny too because you're never really sure if the Jeff, if the that that sound effect is diegetic, like is it actually in the film or is it outside of the film? 
Or, you know, are they hearing that? I just, I just like to imagine just Jason sitting, like, you know, he's, like, watching them, and he's stalking them. He's, like, sitting in a bush going, like, Jeff, 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 pop, pop, pop. Gotta get you. Jeff, 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 pop, pop, pop. More suspenseful that way. It's like, I'm stalking ya. I, I like, it's kind of like the family guy bit with, like, you know, the, the jaw shark and the post. Like, hey, I'm gonna eat your legs. Yeah. You know, just, <laughs> gonna eat you real good. Yeah, that's that's what that's Jason like. Hey, I'm gonna stab you. I'm gonna I, stab you real good. I think the score's good. I mean, it's not the. I don't. I I do wish that they had like laid off on it a little bit. It's a little too overbearing. You're right, but um, it's a natural natural extension of what we get in the others. So sorry, sorry. Um, did we touch on everything that you want to talk about so far, or? Did, did Was there anything else that you wanted to uh, specifically bring up? No, I think that's it. All right. So we are good to, we are clear to give this a rating. So on a scale of, I'm going to think of one. One to ten. Crispin Glover dance moves. Sounds good. Spin kicks. No. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, Crispin Glover dance moves. What would you give Friday 13th Part 4, the final chapter? Give it a 5. Okay, middle of the road. Well, slightly below average on my scale. Um, it's pretty boring. I Honestly, I don't, even though the kills are kind of, a little, I think, um, pretty not that bad. It's a pretty boring and pedantic film. Um, none of the characters, even Crispin Glover being goofy, did I find to be likable enjoyable at all. I knew they weren't going to be flushed out or anything, but they, I, none of them had enough nuance to give a damn. Maybe Corey Feldman. But even still, he's not even... like He's only in the film for like 20 minutes. Because he's in the beginning for a little bit, and then at the very end, he shows up. When Jason starts, you know, going around to the Jarvis household. And I think the story's a mess. I think the whole, like, B and C plot of, like, the Jarvis family... And then the one guy that's off in the woods by himself trying to avenge his sister's death. Unnecessary. You can have the Jarvis family, but at least make it more interconnected with the teens there. You know, that way there's fluidity. Because when the film jumps around from, you know, plot point to plot point, it's very like, if you're not really paying attention, you're going to be like, what the fuck's going on? Which is kind of how I was during this, because I didn't find the film entertaining. The film's... Even though at an hour and 37, it's backloaded. All the actions that last 35 minutes. So the first, you know, hour, it's a slog. I, I didn't find it enjoyable really at all. Um, I would give this a 6.5. Um, I do find it one of the more enjoyable sequels in the Friday 13th franchise. Uh, I think it has some issues, namely that it is convoluted in the characters that it has and it really doesn't get connected until like the end of the film and even then it's really tenuously connected it's just because they're all in the same vicinity other than that there's really no point in having all three parties being in the film if you're not going to have them interact in any way like there's really no interaction between them all um so i do find that to be an issue um i think the kills are fairly good for this one a little bit more creative than they usually are um, not to the ex- the gory extent of some of the later films in the series, but um, still pretty good. And it definitely has its moments where it it 
extends itself from the normal machete slashes, like uh, the the sequence that I talked about earlier with the lighting, with the lightning flashing, and the shadow of Jason murdering a girl. It's pretty good. It's pretty uh, it's a nice little little moment that you don't normally get. Little understated element. Um, I do like Crispin Glover in this. I think he's entertaining, and I do think that you have all of the makings of a fairly good, even though it might be somewhat mediocre slasher film. Uh, you have a lot of T, you got some A, and you have quite a few gore effects as well. Um, the one scene that's actually really effective for gore is when Jason is um, sliced through with the machete in his head, and then he slides down it. You have that little animatronic element where it's moving his eye. It's a pretty good uh, uh, moment where you have that's sort of realistic. So I think they did a good job of that. Uh, other than that, you know, um, besides, you know, it being just a pretty generic film for Friday the 13th, it does have its moments where it sets up some important elements to the Friday the 13th franchise, which viewers at the time would not have known about. Obviously, Tommy Jarvis being uh, one of the bigger elements that um, resonates throughout the the rest of the Friday the 13th franchise. Um, so obviously, the film has something going for it where it's part of the legacy. So you got to give it props for that. Um, so I think it's pretty, you know, it's middle of the road. It's uh, not the best Friday 13th, but it's certainly far from the worst. Um, so, you know, 6.5 for me. Not, not great. Not bad. So um, that, I guess that's our Friday 13th episode. Unfortunately, you didn't have great things to say about it, Martin. So no. You ruined the uh, the nice Friday Thirteenth episode where we're supposed to be supremely positive about Friday Thirteenth as a franchise. Do better, I don't know. And I would say <laughs> if you want that, I guess go listen to Friday Thirteenth one through three. But we're not even that. You know, we we're not that lenient on the third episode either. So <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I like Friday Thirteenth. Just... We're just really critical. I guess that, and we find stuff on purpose to make fun about. So, well, that's what gets the clicks. That's that's why we do it. Nobody, nobody, nobody wants us to. Nobody wants watches. Us to to nobody watches reviews where you praise shit unless they're like looking for that validation. And, of, you know. and you know what? Like people have every Friday Thirteenth has been commented on for so long ad infinitum that you don't want to hear us just talk about the the best things about Friday 13th part four. You want us to make fun of it. You want us to make fun of Crispin Glover. Look at that word drop to you had there. Infinitum. Ad infinitum. (laughs) You you want us to make fun of Crispin Glover. You want us to comment on the uh, ridiculousness of, you know, some of the elements in here, like the three groups of people that go nowhere. You want us, you want that. That's why you listen to Blood and by Grum Podcast. Save it for another day. You save it for another day. No. Save it for the next Friday thirteenth episode. No, we're done. This is the final chapter. <laughs> That's it. If you ever review the others, I'm just gonna sit out. You can do that with you know Michael or Jay Movie Talk, somebody else, not me. Alright. This is the final chapter. Train stops here. Okay. Don't know what happens. No problem. Freddy versus Jason is just an alternate universe. That's, you know, so, that, that, so that's okay. That's that's game. Yes, because that was alternate universe. Okay. Alright. Good to know. Um, all right, so, uh... Yeah, like I said, that'd be the new line. First. Sure, sure. So, uh, thanks for listening to our Friday 13th episode. We are going to be back next week and every single week from now until October to do it. Well, the end of October. That's right. The end of October. To do it part two. 
which is in theaters this weekend. And uh, we'll be seeing it and doing an episode on it. So we'll be back next Friday for a new episode on that. And we have a jam-packed schedule. Like, so jam-packed, I don't even know how we're going to get it all done. We have um, a special Halloween series for you that we're doing this this year that I haven't announced yet. So I'm going to leave it as a secret. Yeah, you did. Huh? We announced it last time. Did we? we? Yes, we, you said. Did we give a hint? I think we said... No, we give a hint. I'm pretty sure we said what we're going to do. I don't think so. Well, we didn't say what movies, but we said we're going to do. Oh, maybe. Maybe we did. Yeah, yeah all right. Yeah. So, all right. So, so we said... I think we did say we're doing a horror anthology series uh, within decades. So, we're doing decades of them. And we said one of them was one that we had talked about wanting to do for quite some time. And I even thought I did it. And it fits within the Halloween season. And that's all you get. So we haven't announced the movies yet. I'll be announcing them at some point, probably on our Twitter and Facebook page. But the actual announcement has not come yet. But not only that, we have a lot of other stuff that we want to get done. Don't know if it's going to get done. We're going to try it. Um, All I can say right now is that we may have another special episode in the forecast um, that may or may not be on the Blood and Black Rum podcast show. So there's that. And there are a few movies coming out that we would like to cover on the show that I don't know if we're going to get a chance to, but we'll do our best. I've got twins coming. I don't have all the time in the world anymore. Got to schedule, put it in where the schedule permits. (laughs) But uh, the Halloween season was always really busy. So we hope you stick around for us. Um, Join us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, any uh, podcasting app that you know about. We're on it. So follow us, subscribe to us. And leave us a nice review. Um, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash blood and black rum podcast. We're on Twitter at blood and black rum. Uh, we have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash blood and black rum podcast. You can um, donate to us and that helps us fund our show. So we appreciate that. And you can write to us at blood and black rum podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the show and what we should change, what we should do better on. Um, any movies that you want us want to see us cover, just let us know and we will take that into consideration. So thanks for listening to our Friday the 13th episode before Friday the 13th even comes. And we hope to see you next time for it part two. Take care.